0: And you're very welcome along to another RTE Rugby Podcast. A very happy Christmas to you. We missed you in the break in between, but we're delighted to join you. We're still going to be cranking these out in the Christmas break. Bernard Jackman is with us. He was uh, down at the sports ground a few nights ago. He was also at Thoman Park as well on St. Stephen's Day for two close derby games. Strange ones though, Bert, insofar as I I think they kind of went in opposite directions. The the one at the sports ground was probably a poor enough game until the last 10 minutes. Whereas down in Thulman Park, we got an absolute belter of a game that somehow fizzled out in the last 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, and it fizzled that due to Leinster's game management and just uh, protecting a lead. And I thought, uh, you know, Rossburn just handled it really well. They knew they had the lead. They, uh, they didn't want to give Leinster a sniff. They wanted to quell the crowd if they could. And, you know, after two or three phases, they weren't really going forward. He just put up these high bombs and just turned Munster and you know, it's probably fitting that the, the end game finished with Munster having to scrum five yards out and and having to try and run, you know, down the field to try and win the game. And let's be honest, it was, it was probably it was always going to be uh, difficult for him to do that, you know. And and it ended up in a turnover. And I think probably Graham Roundtree really was relieved that Leinster that the referee k- killed the game rather than Leinster being allowed to play off that turnover because. You know, they would have loved to taken that bonus point away from Munster, but I think Munster got a lot of positives out of it, to be honest. I mean, what did you think?
0: Yeah, I I, I actually did. It was it was a funny one. Um, even just to go away from the match itself. So obviously I've been down at, at home for here in yeah. for Christmas and since this day last week. And we had two years in a row of this fixture being postponed and then played behind closed doors or or played before a champions Cup last 16 where it didn't have the same fees and the buzz around the fixture itself for the few days beforehand, number one, was just brilliant. It was great to see. Tickets were absolutely scarce, which is fantastic as well. Uh, the second part, so I, I arrived out at Thoma Park on St. Stephen's Day about half past five, so two hours before kickoff, which is roughly what I'd be arriving for for pretty much any game. And just the, the buzz around the place, there were so many people hanging around, like the the Shannon Bar, the Bose Bar, and even then leaving the match afterwards, you're talking eleven o'clock, so about an hour and a half after after the full time whistle, there was just still loads of people mingling about when normally the place would be deserted, even for some of the bigger games as well. So it was just great to to have that, I think, for for so many people as well. And just the amount of friends I would have had going to it and stuff like that. It was just great to have that that buzz back around. But on the on the game itself, it was a funny one because as you say there were plenty of positives for Munster. And I suppose the the biggest one arguably is that they're coming away from a game against Leinster for the first time in God knows how long thinking, geez, we left that one behind us. And I know at the time when we were speaking to Graham Roundtree after the game, he certainly didn't view that as a positive. He was, he was pretty critical of, of the way his side had, had blown things, which I think is fair enough because we've had a good few games this season where we've been speaking to the Munster coaches afterwards and after defeats, and they've been pointing out the positives in spite of a loss. But I certainly got the impression from Graham Rountree that he he let the players know about it after that game because the way they just let it go from being 14-6 up 10 minutes into the second half with a man advantage and to all of a sudden find yourself 20-14 down was just, it was unforgivable really.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and the key moment was the, the yellow card because Leinster, uh, Leinster were efficient up till then, but they hadn't really furnished you know, many shots. Or they, Munster looked pretty comfortable defensively and you felt, oh, this game is going to just go down to goal kicking. And then, you know, Munster, in fairness to them, you know, they, they had that shift drive in the front, got a yellow card, and Leinster sprinted back. They sprinted back. It was noticeable, you know, how quickly they wanted to get on with it. And in fairness to them, once they got the possession back that from that kickoff, you know, um I think it was two days later, but they got possession back then. They just ramped it up and just started to carry with real venom. Um, using their power game, and they started to punch holes in Munster. And whether Mun- I don't know what great Mountree, I- I'd love to, uh, I'd love to know what part of the plan did they? It was you know, is he is he critical of them not implementing? But um, in my opinion, it was just their inability to um to keep the same level of focus after that try. Um, and started to milk penalties. Uh, and fairness, I can't see that, that they were milk They were giving away some soft penalties early in the game as well. But mm-hmm. it was really their inability, fifteen against fourteen, to deal with that Leinster power game and ferocity and getting over the gain line. And obviously for Leinster to score when they did, um, you know, straight away was just a, a real hammer blow. And then then they just couldn't couldn't get down the field. And there was just a few little moments that Jack Curdy missed touching a penalty, which would have given him um, an entry point. Um, uh, yeah, and just just inability to to find field position, which which is, I I would credit some of that down to, um, down to Leinster's um game management and smarts. But yeah, Munster I thought Munster looked better with Casey on at nine. I think they looked more dangerous to him on at nine um, than he did the first before he came on. But there's still probably a few players short, to be honest.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. We'll kind of zone in on those ten minutes because they were the making of the break in the game. But on from the monster side of things, like the frustration is the some of the penalties they gave away were just very, very cheap. Like the first of those, a couple of phases after the restart, after the after the penalty try was Conor Murray just kind of stepping into a rock, where just to slow things down, where he didn't really have a business being in there. That sends Leinster down towards the twenty-two, and then all of a sudden, you, okay, Gavin Coombs gives away a penalty. That's kind of scrambling on your own line. But after Leinster scored that first try, then you have Calvin Nash just kind of reaching out for a pat, you know, trying to, yeah, just, to make an interception, just that one-handed kind of lazy little grab when he had actually done a good job of kind of getting the ball I'm in sure. moments earlier as well. It was the second one that he got caught out for with the deliberate knock on, and that just leaves them back down. And then you've Keith Earls, just dropping a simple ball in his own 22 and that's probably coming from the kind of the rush Leinster are putting on the pace of the game they're bringing in all of a sudden there's a bit of nervous energy about the place and then it's the it's the two 5 meter pick and goes that are just it's so hard yeah. to it's so hard to get your head around i suppose if you're if you're a Munster fan where okay the first one there's a bit of evasion there scott penny you know it's a well worked play that kind of sends Scott Penny around and you give Leinster credit for that, I think. But the second one is just, it's just so hard to look at again and see Dan Sheehan pick and go and just find his way between, between probably Dave Kilcoyne and Noel Scannell. Like so often we see, we're seeing these five meter starter plays almost quite regularly now. And, you know, it's, it's very rarely the the point of them to score off the first phase. It's to put yourself in a position to get a good carry and, and, yeah. and you know, poke a hole, but to see someone go over off the first phase like that is just, it's just far too easy.
1: Yeah. I, I My good feeling being down there and seeing them off camera as well as honest, I, I felt they were punch drunk. I felt fitness actually um played into some of it as well, Neil. I, I thought, I thought Leinster's ability to up the ante the last 20 Um and Munster just weren't able to. They were tired bodies, and I think some of that fatigue was leading to some of those, some of those penalties and errors. I, I, I as you say against Leinster, you, you need to be absolutely clinical. Um, when you get the ball back, or you get a chance, you got to take it, and then you got to get get down there. Whereas so go? For example, I, I totally agree with your penalties that you just mentioned there, Connors and Calvin's etc. But then that wasn't a great crossfield kick from Rossburn, you know. Um, yeah. to Jordan Armour and Earl he should have mopped that up and it was in the 22 you it wasn't it. It, was,
0: it wasn't a contested no, kick.
1: it was a, It was actually you know and in fairness from that if you remember because Keith didn't deal with it and Jordan won it back then Ross went straight away he crossed yeah. field to the other side um, was it to Sheen um, and that led to the that led to the penalty or Scott Penny I think it was that led to the penalty that they eventually tapped over so yeah um, yeah, you get one chance, you know what I mean? And the second one, Ross Bourne gets the ball back in his hands and he nails the second kick. And because Munster were quite narrow, you know, that gives Leinster a, a penalty five yards out. So it's it, it's just a, the next level up. Now, Munster are, are competitive. I actually, you know, and I agree. I was I was like you, I was in there early and, and walking out. I think Munster fans realise that Munster are in transition and and I don't mean to be... Um, I know some of them are sick of that word tradition, but they genuinely can see that there is improvements, and uh, that the team are playing with more, more heart, more vibrancy. Uh, they're trying to do things, etc. So I think the I found the the atmosphere and the and the uh, reaction very tolerant and very understanding. Obviously, from Graham Rouncey' point of view, my Prendergast's point of view, Dan Slaney, etc. Andy Kiraku, if they can just get that win, if they could have got a win against Leinster, there it could have just made everything so much easier for them in terms of confidence and reinforcement of what they're doing but they didn't so they just got to got to crack on and and I looking forward to seeing their selection over the next couple weeks my opinion without doing the numbers on it was that they haven't really rested their internationals yet um so they've they've taken the gamble of of you know playing them early whereas Leinster and, and Ulster and Connacht even have managed to get those two games or at least one game into them um I think they need to get two games before the Six Nations Rest. So that's going to be interesting for Munster. Do they now need to go to Ulster without Tyburn and Peter Manny, etc.? Um or will they decide um you know to maybe rest them for a European game?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think they've further games come up in the URC before yeah. the Six nations. Yeah, left.
1: they do the lines in um there's a lines in Cork uh yeah. next Friday, I think. Yeah. And
0: then away to Benetton as well. But yeah. finally on Munster before can I kind of we go in and, and look at what Leinster were doing right. I, I think it's right what you were saying there about, um, you know, that the, the, they have kind of moved forward and the, the fans are becoming a bit more understanding of the, the situation yeah. they found themselves in. And I certainly found that after the game, I went out and, you know, met a few of my friends who were at the match and it was, I finally, we weren't actually talking about issues with the game plan or, you know, issues with, you know, the, the chinks in their attack. It was more that, that they left it behind them. So yeah, the, we're, we're kind of moving on from the point now of saying, oh, we just need to give it time. And, you know, there needs to be a bit of patience to see how things go. There's a fair idea now of, of what the game looks like under them. It's just a case of, you know, the players rolling up their sleeves in the big day and, and getting it done. On on Leinster, again, to go back on, on those 10 minutes, we've seen it now twice from Leinster in, in the course of this month, first against Ulster when they found themselves what was a 21-3 down after midway through the first half, down to 13 men for for a short little while and 14 men for the rest of the game. They turned that around. Then at Thoman Park, they're down to 10 men and they're 14-6 down. And they scored two tries in those 10 minutes. As As a coach, is that something you can see from Leinster where they are probably spending a lot of time on the training pitch, training in these situations where they're a man down, and where they need to, to work things out. We were asking Leo Cullen about it, for example, and he said, like, we were asking, what messages are you trying to get on during that point? He said, that was all the players out there. You know, yeah. they've been in this, these situations. They know they know what things they need to go to when they are a man down or in these tricky situations. But it's twice now in the last month where they've found themselves in massive, massive holes, and they've got themselves out of it pretty comfortably.
1: Yeah, no, I, look, I think... Um... I think they can start if you're Leinster and you have that much time together as they as they have. I mean, obviously, you know they brought in Jason Jenkins and Charles Natai, but in, in general, it's a it's a, neither of them played the weekend. but It's a very settled team, a team who've been together for a long time, a team who understand exactly what Lancaster, in particular, you know, wants in terms of on the playing field. Obviously, Leo off it, but um, and they've got to a level where they can actually really focus on those last things now, the, the, you know, like monster. there's my no monster talking, spending a huge amount of time talking about, you know, what do we do when we're, you know, a man in the bin or whatever and we're 14-6 up. It, it's because they're trying to find the nuts and bolts of their game and trying to find the best combinations, uh, et cetera, build confidence. Oh, they would obviously do it, but Leinster now are just literally, you know, being able to work on a huge amount of scenario-based uh, things and, from, you know, they'll be disappointed that they're having to um, put them into place in games because obviously it's uh, it's not ideal to to you know have a red card or or, or the yellow card like we saw the weekend, but at a key moment when you're down. But um, I, I yeah, I think there's a huge amount of confidence, there's a huge amount of desire to make sure that yeah. when they get to the knockout stages that they don't come unstuck by you know something out of the ordinary or a discipline issue, etc. And in fairness of discipline, the is usually very very good. I mean, um, and that's probably like. If you look at the referee from the weekend, Busby, he was really hard on at attacker not rolling away. Um, and he always is. And Leinster, they got caught once or twice, but in general they were much cleaner in that area than, than Munster. And that's just, you know, that's just um, I suppose uh, a, a real sign of a team who know how important discipline is. And it's been a constant issue for Munster, to be honest, this, this season. I mean, you know, Graham has spoke about it a few times. so, But yeah, you know, eventually that will get that will get sorted out, and then Munster will be even harder to beat. Whereas Leinster have already gone through through all these stages, and this is the this is effectively the end of 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 Leinster's current cycle. Realistically, with Stuart leaving, um, you know Johnny retiring, etc. Uh so it's it's I think it's to be expected that they are more calm and and, and have more composure um in, in those situations and are able to um fix it on the field. And we spoke
0: about. Like just to kind of follow on from the team of Leinster having the the luxury of being able to really really work on these kind of situations in training. The other situation they seem to be doing an awful lot of work on are the five meter tap and goes. Yeah, we, we spoke about how frustrating it is from a Munster point of view to let those in, but we're seeing it quite often now from Leinster where they've got great little innovations on it. Um, they scored one against Racing ninety two with with Josh van der Fleer. Yeah, I know, yeah and I know for example that. Uh Leo Cullen has mentioned the Bulls as being the inspiration for, for a yeah, lot so, yeah. so much over the last few months, ever since they got stung by them at the RDS last season. But they're really, really putting a huge amount of work into it. And he was saying, for example, the the one where Scott Penny scored on. He he said he's pretty sure that one was actually drawn up by, by Scott himself to, to put himself in. That one was was come up with him. But again, it just shows the amount of work that they're able to put into a really, really small but a very, very important part of the game.
1: Yeah, and, and to be honest, like they i I, I didn't realize Leo had said that, but I I definitely would have I remember the shock uh, and surprise when the Bulls pulled something new against Leinster and it, it was probably the key score in that game. And I'm not surprised Leinster have have looked to, to bring some creativity to it. In fairness to them, they actually probably don't really need to because normally, you know, if Sheen gets tackled, um you know, at source there when he takes the first tap. You normally would back Leinster's, you know, ability to pound and ground a pound towards the post. Um, but they, you know, against the one against Rassing, the, the, the one against Munster, and probably because they'd scored the first one against Munster, that allowed Sheen to get a second one, if you get me. You know, the, 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 normally defenders who are opposite the first tapper um, are just focused on him. And, and, and that's why it's probably, you know, when you think about it, it's, that's probably why he got he was allowed to get under Leinster had so, so to see the seat of doubt in, in Munster's mind because they'd changed the point of contact for Scott Penny. Um but again, it's not just you know it's a lovely little play. It's 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 creative, but you have someone like Scott Penny coming onto the ball. Like, you know, did Munster Munster, I'm not saying that against Munster's back row or whatever, but you know, um Coombs obviously is, is someone that they could use, but Scott Penny even doesn't start for Leinster, but probably in that in, in that space. He's as good as anyone in the URC, you know. Um, so they have the cattle as well. Um, but yeah, it is good to see them having, um, you know, different ways of of attacking. But they they know, you know, if it comes to it, and they have to roll up their sleeves and and you know, win the the battle of the body heights and play ten phases. Um, you know, they're like extra war back. In, you know, a couple of years ago, they love that. They love it, and uh, they're very very good at it.
0: Yeah, and Graham Roundtree actually said exactly what you were saying there on the Dan Sheehan one where he was saying they were they were probably waiting okay. for Leinster to do something rather yeah. than just go straight. But he said ultimately, yeah. you know, first things first, you just have to make the the first tackle. Before we move on to, to a couple of players to to mention from the other day. Joe McCarthy, that's probably one of the one of the best games he's put in, in a Leinster shirt so far. I know he hasn't played too many of them, but he really, really seemed to stand up to the occasion.
1: Yeah, he did. And and it was an interesting selection. Him and Ryan Baird to start. Obviously Baird had been going very well at six. Um look at as a player that they have huge uh Menstern Ireland have huge hope and expectation for. Um it was great to see him get a start in in, in that type of game. I thought he, he he did really well, he handled himself really well. Um, you know, and and, and the reality is the, the, you know, someone like Joe McCarthy would start probably most weeks in, in the other provinces. And whereas in Leinster he's he's having to fight now for for game time. You know what I mean? Um and he has to be good and he has to perform and, and Jason Jenkins coming in. Like a lot of clubs wouldn't have signed Jason Jenkins because they had Joe McCarthy, you know? Um, but that's just the the level um that they're operating at Max Deegan, you know, he's been really good this season, but he's struggling to get, you know, um uh, the big games he got he got to start the other night. It's um it's phenomenal depth, and I think that's making those youngsters uh, even better. Jamie Osborne, you know, he was, I was excellent. I was, was going to well.
0: mention him as well. Yeah.
1: To Robbie Henshaw and Charles Nattrass, you know, so uh, he knows he has to be good, or he mightn't. He mightn't mightn- see a match day for a while. And um, you know, it's 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 phenomenal uh, the depth they have, and then that the the youngsters, in fairness to them, um, continue to to impress. You know, and uh, they. They keep showing signs of improvement, which is probably you know down to the environment and down to the talent they have. Yeah. On on Connacht then this weekend it's Leinster and Connacht at the
0: RDS. That's live on RT Two and RT Player and RT Radio One as well. But it's hard to it's hard to see how Connacht eke out a win based on the first seventy odd minutes they put in against against Ulster. As Andy Friend said it after the match, look, it was it was a great fight back, but. Ultimately, you can't be expecting to take anything out of the game when when you play for ten minutes. Mm.
1: Strange, isn't it? Ugh, Connor's attack—it's still what's,
0: what's happened to it because yeah, well,
1: it's just not existent. Yeah. It's um, it's not a threat at all. And I think also were there for they're certainly susceptible to be beaten. You know, they also weren't great either. Um, they went to their their lineout Um and that that won them a game again. And, and it's great to have that weapon. Um, but I think Connor have obviously spent so much time focusing on being harder to beat, being gritty, um, you know, being defensively better. Um, their their USP or their their super strength has, has disappeared, and um, and I, I didn't have that Bundy was quiet. I mean, Bundy had a very very quiet game. I I can't. I was shocked they didn't try and get him into Doak's channel. You know, Doak playing at ten, um. I would have given them go forward, um, but they used them more as a distributor. And actually, ironically, and I know the, the whole attitude and, and mindset changed, But Hawkshaw, when he came on at twelve, gave them, um, a little bit more, um, and uh, it was you know he, he was impressive again, um. So yeah, it was just look. The reality was uh, my 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 thought going out was, you know, for Connors to have won that match, Bundy needed to have a a big game. And and I'm not saying it's all on him, but he just was quiet. He just had a quiet game, and and um and then just wondering what's gone on with their with their attacking game because um and instance, it probably started with their kicking game. Their kicking game was atrocious, um which didn't give them really many um attacking opportunities. But uh, it's going to be you know it's a tough one for them to lose because all Christians you're thinking about the RDS and. You're watching Enster um, and you know that some of the big guns are going to come back in um, and it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough this weekend.
0: Yeah. And like when you're looking at the Connacht's attack then and trying to figure out what is at fault at the moment, it like do, do you think is this, is it a shape issue? Or are they not really yeah. kind of actually creating things? Is it an issue where the fundamentals are right, but they're giving away cheap penalties at attacking breakdowns? Is it simple handling errors? Is it a combination of of everything?
1: Yeah, I think their handling has their handling is, is it doesn't seem to be as slick as it was. A lot of passes in behind. Um, they're trying to use this this tactic, which is like a stack. Um, so everyone, a lot of teams are using this late sweep, where people come late around a corner and, and and square up. But they're um they're they're doing it maybe with one player extra and it's, it's a stack. and. and they're not really getting around a corner so they're very lateral and it's very easy for teams to come in and shut them down so that's something that they had look it's it's great to see teams trying different things um i would say um their attacking shape that they played with last year the year before was already a decent shape um and was asking questions and allowing you know some of their x-factor players to to get mismatches and get their hands free in contact so um, the reality for me is that is that they're gonna they're on a, they, they need to start chasing points now as well, um, and I think they're gonna have to relook at that. Um, and the Challenge Cup will give them a chance to do that. To be honest, I know that they rotate players and that's great to rest, but it really is a, a two week block where if you are going to make significant changes to your game, um, that that would be the, the time period to to look at it. P- particularly if you're looking if you're going to go back to something you've already done. If you know what I mean. So I don't expect huge change this weekend um, against Leinster and Leinster's defense. To be fair, you know it shut down Munster's attack pretty well, um, uh, and they're very good defensively. But yeah, so but I would say Connacht for the run in for the for the second half of the season may look at um, variation in their attacking shape to try and get them running that space a little bit more and get them creating more line breaks and tries.
0: Yeah, and like the the second half of the season is a bit more. It's a bit fairer on Connex, like you know, it's yeah. it, it you know this is the last interpro, for example, between yes. and the end of the regular season. But with that in mind, anyway, is just going forward in the URC, not even this season, but next season as well. It it just always feels that the deck is stacked a little bit against Connex with the fixtures list they are actually going to have, because they'll yeah. they'll have six games against you know. Leinster, Ulster, Connacht—they've lo- they have only lost three of their last nine games, but it's against Leinster, Ulster, and uh, and Munster. Sarah said Connacht earlier and said one of the yeah. one of the other provinces, but ultimately they've they've got a tougher run of games than than what you'd say some of the Welsh or or the Scottish teams have. Oh, I, know, oh. I know, I know, it's relative as well, but it always feels like they are just going to be chasing things every season.
1: Yeah, it's incredibly difficult, um, and I think that's why Andy Friend and Andy Friend's replacement um will need to be an optimist, you know, and to um to not have a chip on the shoulder or to not show that chip on the shoulder to the players and understand um how difficult it is for them being the you know being competing or being the pool with the Irish with the other Irish teams. Um like I watched the Welsh Derbies um and you know, interesting contest. But I, I think Connors could, you know, if they were in that in that pool, um, you know, would, would be contenders for for Champions Cup. It's just the, just the reality of it is that they have to play six games against better opposition than than most in the URC. So it is tough on them. But that's that's what it is. I think they are building. They've built some new depth, and um, you know, I I like non Murray. Um, Ushin Dowling played six uh at the weekend, which I thought was interesting. Keen has now being tried as an eight. Um, we give him, you know, an extra ball carrier. Um, how do you how do you see
0: how do you see Prendergast as an ace
1: Yeah, I, I think he's good. I think he's explosive. Um, I think he's explosive obviously then gives you an extra line at option at six because they can bring Dowling in at six. Um, now Boyle, in fairness, I like Boyle as well. Um, I think Jared Butler was a, has been a brilliant signing for Connacht, but maybe isn't making the um the, the big impacts that probably they need from their ace Um. So I think it's good for Prendergast to, to show versatility. um. But I don't think it's... it's I think it's because think Pinky can be an eight for them and help them win games at eight. So, um, yeah, there is there is some youngsters coming through to the academy. Tierney Martin is, looks good when he gets a chance. Sam Elo. So they are building more depth. And obviously then they brought in the, the Duties and the Josh Murphys and Adam Burns. And it's great to see Adam Burns get another try. Um, But again, it, it's it's just at a time now where... Yeah, their attacking game has just gone, gone dead, undead, dead on them, you know. So it's all well and good have more depth, if, uh, but you'd like to have that alongside a, um, you know, a game plan or, um, that was functioning a little bit better. And and that's that's something that they they, they will fix. There's there's no doubt. But they got to fix it pretty quickly. Can you see them getting anything out of the RDS on Sunday? No, I, I can't to be honest. Because I, I think Leinster obviously are. Just a machine at the moment and um, haven't shown any signs of being willing to let up. And I think you know complacency or it doesn't really seem to affect them. Um, what's that? What's cost Leinster? You know Leinster's downfall in terms of winning trophies has been massive, powerful teams. You know that it, I don't think it's been complacency by any manner of means. And um, I think that they change up a couple of personnel will come in. You know they'll get a. Boost out of having more entomans, you know, big big crowd in the RDS New Year's Day and and, and New Year's evening and day evening and uh, they'll they'll be loving it, you know. It could be it could, it could be horrible for Connor. Now, Connor and will, will will make it difficult for them, um, but it, it has. If are hit their straps, it could be tough.
0: Yeah. So the other game then on on New Year's Day is going to be Ulster and Munster at at Kingspan Stadium. I find this one really hard to to get my head around or to to even predict until I see what the teams are going to be. Yeah. Because we've seen, as you said earlier on, we've seen Munster, for example, pretty much pick their best team for probably four or five weeks in a row now since the since the Six Nations. So it feels that, you know, the likes of Peter O'Mahony, Tyke Byrne will have to be rested at some point and it might have to be this weekend. Ulster, they rested players for the week after the... for the week after the... Um, the, or not Six Nations, the Autumn Internationals, but they were back then for the Leinster game. So there's probably one more week in the next few where they have to as well. So I, I think it's actually really, really tough to get a gauge on on how to call this one until we see teams probably Friday afternoon. But on the match itself, and maybe to touch on Ulster from, from the Connacht game, it's it's not a win that's going to turn the season around entirely, but it, it stops the bleeding a little bit. and And ultimately... They were in such a such a tough run, but when you look at the table of the URC in particular, they're still third place, comfortably third place, comfortably inside that top four, and you know, probably one win away from from getting back into into second spot. So, for as tough a run as they had and as tough of four weeks as they've had, they're they're still in quite a good position.
1: Yeah, they are. As long as they just get back on the horse and 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 uh, the win in Connaught was ugly. Um, And obviously they had that scare moment um, at the end, which would have been if they hadn't drawn that game. You know, I I think um, that I suppose that um, doubt around where they're at would have would have lasted. I think the win will cure it. It was it's a hard earned win in in a way, Um, and hopefully that'll give them a little bit more more confidence again because I think their confidence was definitely dented by Leinster and that that destroyed them. That, That 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 um turnaround that Leinster put in on them um seems to have just mentally scarred them and you know they needed to get that win. They backed it up with a win against Munster and they'll be back on on um on track and obviously Ravenhill, you know, they've um you know they missed they missed Ravenhill as well. Obviously found it difficult in Sale, found it difficult in Aviva, um back in front of their home fans. Uh, you know I uh, uh, on form on four Munster can win that easily. I mean um, but I, I don't not easily, but they, they can win it. Um, but you I just have to fancy Ulster. To be honest, I think, um, Ulster win it. Ulster are a top fourteen. Would have taken like if Ulster had to miss out in top four, um, at the end of the season, you know, it would have been a massive shock. And I think they're good enough to to get that right, and and they'll they'll recover from this little blip, um, and start to crank up some some wins again.
0: Would it Would it concern you from an Ulster point of view that? There was a running team last season of Ulster struggling in the last last quarter of games where they were where they were otherwise leading you know they, they had a lot of games where they either threw away leads and lost or just about held on having conceded a couple of cheap late tries early on in the season it looked like they'd put that behind them they were kind of putting teams to bed nice and early in matches and and seeing it out professionally but even before the the blip of this month you know we had them down in Tolman Park where they looked completely comfortable against a a fairly second string monster team due to their massive injury list, but you know we're left we're given a bit of a scare towards the end. They obviously had their issue against Leinster, and then against Connell, conceding two tries in in the last few minutes as well. Is there a worry that that is kind of creeping back into their game a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think there there has to be worry about all kinds of uh, all aspects of their uh, mental state, to be honest, and ability to. Uh, be absolutely ruthless um, and stay composed and uh, uh, and kill teams off. And, and until they start to have a, a track record, not once, you know what I mean? Um, like the, the, the fight back against La Rochelle, that's irrelevant. You know The game was, they need to just build up this this track record of, of success before we can say, look, that's not part of their DNA at the moment. And, and McFarland and his coach staff will be aware of that and the players will be aware of that. But until you, as I said, um, quell it, quash it, and sometimes it's, it's not in the media. It's it's in the dressing room. You know, players just starting to pull up, and um, um, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson said that they used to win games in injury time, not just because of what they did, but because the opposition expected, um, you know, Man United to come at them, and it seems like Ulster, in some in some cases, nearly start to pull up themselves, you know, and, and allow teams at them, and and, um, that's an awful, uh straight to have in a team. So it's uh it's something that they need to to deal with. But look at the only place to deal with is on the field and, and they were just so happy to get back to Ravenhill, I think, um and, and, and Munster coming up um is an exciting challenge. And and that's probably the occasion they need just to, to get back in full in full swing because the Connor thing was the Connor performance was was only probably seven out of ten for them. Less maybe six out of ten, which is just shows the quality they have.
0: Yeah, certainly is. So that game's five fifteen on New Year's Day. That is uh live on RT Radio One commentary on the, on, on that evening. Uh, as I said, uh, Leinster and Conox then coming up seven thirty-five, also on RT Radio One and live on the TV as well, RT two and RT player. Birch, before we finish up, our last pot of twenty twenty two, what's your what's your highlight of the rugby year?
1: Um Ireland Ireland win the series in, in New Zealand for me. Yeah, was, yeah
0: was a, uh, probably was an easy test. question.
1: Sorry, I was. Yeah, I was. <laughs> that was it. You?
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it has to be that. I think I'm. I'm kind of. I'm torn between the second and third tests, just because yeah. the, they were they were just as good as each other. I I think the the second test was probably the more surprising result. I think by the third test, we probably felt a lot more confident in in how they were going to go. So I think maybe the the second test is in Dunedin is probably the one that. That gets the edge for me. If we're talking about individual matches, just because they were coming from such a poor start in the series and just flipped it all on its head, and and by the time they were down in Wellington in the K ten, you you actually kind of felt fairly confident for them. Sure.
1: No, I agree. That uh, look at it, and it's it's led then to obviously a good November and you know real real belief and hope for for a good Six Nations and World Cup. So um, yeah, no, Irish rugby is in a in a strong place. Yeah,
0: fingers crossed for a good twenty twenty-three. Tackling the All Blacks, by the way, that kind of uh, our RT's documentary that's going to be on this uh this Thursday evening. Uh so that's Thursday the 29th, for those of us checking this out. Uh on RT one six thirty pm, tackling the all blacks uh will be on RT one six thirty pm on Thursday evening. Birch, thanks a million for uh thanks a million for joining us. Thanks a million for taking for taking time your, see your you your dead RDS on New, new Year's. Year. I think uh, I'll see you at the RDS on New Year's Day. Have a happy new year. You Bye-bye.